In this episode of Speaking of Stories, Stephanie Tanquist talks to Edouard Louis, a French writer known for his books The End of Eddie and History of Violence. Immediately, as soon as I was born, it was impossible for me to fit in that world. To It was impossible to understand my family. It was impossible to talk with my family. My father was ashamed of me. I used my position in that village to try to understand that village, to try to understand that people, to understand what happens, you know. And you're listening to Speaking of Stories with me, Stéphane Tanquist. And Edouard Louis. Chapter 1. Not fitting in. Edouard, welcome to Stockholm. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, I apologize for me being here with you in the studio. <laughs> no, I'm really happy to be with you. <laughs> you were supposed to be sitting here with Richard Wolf. Yeah, we think about him. Yeah, unfortunately, he's sick today, so he couldn't make it. But you met him last time you were here in Stockholm, right? Yeah, I I, I went to his place and he made me listen to some uh, Edith Piaf. He's in love with uh, Edith Piaf and... Yeah. Uh, Uh, he's singing her songs and he's uh, reinventing her songs. And uh, that was really beautiful for me because <laughs> because I love Edith Piaf also. And uh, and you know that Marguerite Duras uh, loved Edith Piaf and Marguerite Duras is one of the women of my life. So it was really relatable for me to, to meet Ricard. Yeah. Last time you were here, it was because you had just released your book, The End of Eddie, it's called in English. Göra sig kvitt Eddie Belgell på svenska. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah, um, so Eddie Belgell was my name when I was a kid. And so the book, uh, The End of Eddie or Finishing of Eddie Belgell, um, I would have preferred that title. Uh, Is oh, this is interesting. Sorry, <laughs> you haven't even started, but you have to because I was I was curious if it was you who wanted to change because the end of Eddie is very different. Yeah, it's much. It's finishing much. off Eddie Belgel. They're mm-hmm. very, but that wasn't you who wanted to. No, for me it wasn't. It wasn't violent enough. It wasn't in explaining the the violence of the book, and so because precisely the book is a is a is a depiction of the world where I grew up, the social class in which I grew up when I was a kid. You know, I grew up in this very small town, uh, far from any city, far from any station, in the middle of nowhere, where in the past all the people would work at the factory, at the same factory. And one day the factory closed. And so I grew up in in the ni- 1990s and 2000, early 2000, in this village full of... Uh, the possession of poverty and and also of um, of violence because these people were enduring violence the violence of poverty the violence of exclusion this violence of of kind of loneliness and uh, and so there was also a lot of um, anger racism homophobia that was created by this situation and i grew up in this in this milieu uh, as a gay kid I was a gay child, and and so the the book is a story of an of an impossible encounter between me and that social class and that milieu. How the book describes how immediately, as soon as I was born, it was impossible for me to fit in that world, 
to it was impossible to understand my family it was impossible to to talk with my family my father was ashamed of me my and so i used my position in in that in that village to try to understand that village to try to understand that people to understand what happens you know and uh, and during my whole childhood I, d- i did everything i could to to fit in you know my my father wanted me to be masculine to be the best at soccer to be uh, the best with girls uh, i was so bad at soccer i was i was in love with men with boys and and so And so I was the shame of the family. They were telling me, "Why, why are you like that? Why are you the person you are?" And and so my goal, my absolute dream, was to be uh, like they wanted me to be, you know. And so the book, uh, "Finishing of Eddie Belgal," is a is a struggle of a kid in this milieu uh, not to be different, you know. I wanted to kind of break the, the 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 classic narration and the myth of the of the different child. This kind of you know of story of the child who is different. He was born different, and he wants to achieve its own difference or her own difference, and try to like try to escape, try to be different. Right? The things that you find in the Stendhal, Le Rouge et Le Noir, that you find in even some James Baldwin or in uh, in Billy Elliot, you know. And I wanted to kind of explode that narration to to break it and to break free from that and to show how as a kid yeah my i had dreams of of conformity of what other people called normality um and and then i failed so i had to i had to escape i had to escape the village to go to a city but for me it was the biggest failure of my life it was the when i went to high school being the first of the family who went to high school for me it was the i would have gave everything to to stay in the village you know but i i didn't succeed and then i realized that it saved my life but long time after you know but at that point you felt like you failed yeah i thought why do i have to go i want i want to stay i my dream wasn't to be simon de beauvoir my dream wasn't to be james baldwin my my dream was to to fit him my you know like My father was so ashamed of me. He would say, "You are the shame of the family because all the village mock us. You know, people make fun of us because we say they say that we are the family of the faggot. You know, and my dream was that my father would stop saying that. You know, and when I say I, I am talking about a, a social and collective I. I'm not that much interested by my own story about or about my my pain as a kid. You know, because I escaped that. I'm okay right now. The question is." How do we deal today with all these, all these people who are made different by society, and why precisely? What kind of things these people reveal when they are excluded? Reveal about the world we live in. You know, it's uh, I um, yeah, it was, it's an exploration of that for, for me. Mm-hmm. Do you think because you were born in 1992? Mm-hmm. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Anything would have been different if you were born today. Same, same place, just <clears throat> a little later. It's difficult, frankly. I'm not sure. I don't think it would be. It would be different uh, because the exclusion would be the same. That the, the people they suffer from the poverty would be the same, uh, and so the violence would would be the same. You know, and what I always say is that you know. We take everything from the working class. We take everything for the people like my mother or my father. 
We take the money from them. We take the culture from them. We take the access to the cities, to the centers, to the dominant culture, uh, to traveling. And the only thing left for them is the body, you know. And so we shouldn't be surprised if they end up by building an ideology of the body and of the strength. And then if you push further of the masculinity and a kind of ideology that excludes gay, queer, lesbian, trans people, an ideology that is violent towards women, you know. And so, and so while we are talking together, uh, my family still and the people of, the, of that class still don't have access to the money, still don't have access to the culture. So I doubt it would be different because since I was born, the world we live in didn't change that much, you know. And uh, that's my problem. And that's why I write, you know. <laughs> Chapter two, revenge. I read in The New Yorker a piece about the book. And it said, to write this novel is at once an act of solidarity and an act of vengeance. Do you agree? I I don't think so. You know, like, when I was a kid, I was angry against my family. I was angry against the people who would tell me that I was a faggot. Or, um, But precisely for me to, to write the book was a way of understanding what happened. Why did they say that to me? Why some people were violent? Why they would talk to me like that? And so... I didn't feel any urge of 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 revenge, of vengeance. Uh, no, I wanted. I wrote this book uh, as 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 a revenge against the against the dominant people, against the bourgeoisie, against the people who hold the power and who put my family or the people of that class in this situation. I was obs obsessed against them. You know, when I when I just arrived in Paris. I went to university and I met people who came from different milieus at the one of my childhood and people that came from richer family people and I thought that I thought that they didn't understand anything about that milieu where I grew up so I wrote the books against them I wanted to to tell them like take that you know like this is the world we live in and while you are living your privileged life Some people are living that life, you know? Mm. So what are you doing? That, that's the question, to confront the people to, to what is going on. So it was not, it was not revenge against uh, my family. I'm not, I'm not interested in, in, in revenge. Uh, uh, no. But do you feel that that's a common misunderstanding against the book? Yeah, because, you know, people, they, they, they put their own per, um, perception in my book, you know, and they read what they think in my books sometimes. So if I say that my father wouldn't take a shower every day, for example, that he wouldn't take, he would take a shower maybe one time a week. And then people say, oh, look, you are mocking him, you are making fun of him or you are judging him. No, I'm just saying it, you know. And if it's a problem, it's because you think that it's a problem, you know. I, I don't say that it's disgusting or I, I don't know what, you know. But on, on the contrary, in the book, in Finishing of Eddie Belgel, I try to explore why the life we had was that kind of life, you know. And um, it's, really, it's really difficult, you know, because ideologies are very, very strong. So you, you write a book against a certain 
kind of ideology, and then people see their own ideology in the book, you know? And that was that was a surprise for me when there was an there is an adaptation to cinema of finishing of Eddie Belgal that I wasn't part of and everything. Uh, but I, as a, as the author of the book, I had the right to see a preview of the movie. So I went to see, and I I didn't like it. And what was impressive is that like the the person, the woman who did the movie, pictures me. Uh, she 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 shows Eddie as as a different kid, as a so like all the family is like uh, ugly, uh, fat, uh, screaming all the time, uh, and Eddie is like a very beautiful kid with very beautiful eyes, who is subtle, who is sensible, who is into culture, and his dream is to. And you know, I wrote my book precisely as we were saying before against that kind of narration, against that kind of myth, you know, of the different child, and it's even the the the, the, the title of the second section of the book. So it's the failure when I when I escape to show that I wasn't different, you know. But these people, people have s- such this ideology of the of the different kid escaping, you know, that I can write against that really clearly. Like people will will put the ideology in, in the book, and um, so not all the time. Fortunately, some people understood what I was trying to do. Yeah, but, but most of us keep our filters on. Yes, absolutely. So for me, when I write and when I wrote the second book, History of Violence, the way I wanted to find a, a literary structure, I wanted to find a way of writing, I wanted to find a style that would like prevent the reader uh, from giving his own interpretation. You know, some some writers say, "Oh, I want my reader to be free. I want my reader to uh, to invent his, his own story when he's while he's or she is writing my book." Uh, I didn't want that. I want I wanted people to be confronted to the kind of realities that I want to describe: masculine domination, racism, poverty, and because I, I can I can see all the energy in our daily life, all the energy that we we put in trying to avoid, you know, uh, uh, to not see the violence, you know, like like when we we see an homeless person in 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 the street and we turn our neck, you know. Um, people do that really often when they write literature, you know. They, they turn the neck, they don't want to see. And the, my literary goal is to find a, a form, a structure that would, that would, you know, really provide the reader from, from turning its neck. If, it doesn't, if she doesn't want to read my book, she can <laughs> not read the book. But if the person is reading the book, I want, I have things that, that, I want things to be said. I want some things to be said, you know, because precisely in my in in my childhood, this this kind of milieu uh, where I grew up, we we had the impression that we were never represented in literature, in the media, in cinema, in um, and so talking about revenge, um, I wrote against that that I, as a revenge against that feeling of invisibility. You know, we knew that. Uh, my mother would always say, no one cares about us. No one talks about us. She would say that sentence every day, you know. And so, yeah, I want to write about that and I want people to see it. You wanted revenge, but not at all against the family or... No, no. But more uh, against the social structures. Against social structures, against domination, against... Um, 
Yeah. So your your new book that you're here in Stockholm to launch, it's just out here in Sweden. It's called The History of Violence, or Voldets Historia på svenska. That's not at all about revenge either. No. No. So basically, and to say it quickly, the book is about one night where um, I met a boy in the street in Paris. It was Christmas Eve. I just had a dinner with my with my two best friends, a Christmas dinner. And during the, at four or five of the night, I, I went back home. And in the street, I, made, I met this really beautiful boy, man, coming out from the shadows, you know, from the darkness of that night, who started to talk to me and wanted to come to my apartment. And I kind of fell in love with him. He was beautiful. He was fascinating. And, 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 and something really strong happened between the two of us. He started to tell me about his story, about um, his life in France, about the racism that he endured in France uh, as a son of an Algerian person. Um, and I told him about my story. And so we went to my apartment. We made love several times. And at some point of the night, he tried to kill me and he raped me after making love with me a couple of times. And so, like, the book is a, is a, is, is, is a closed-door story about, about that night and about how did we go from, from love, almost passion, to, to destruction. What did happen, you know? And so that's why it's not about revenge. It's about understanding what happened. Immediately after it happened, I, I felt the, like that to write about that story was a kind of an emergency, you know, and uh, um, I, because I needed to understand what happened. And, you know, like when when people are subjected to violence and everything, most of the time it's what they want. They want to understand. They want, they want truth, you know. And the state, the state, the uh, justice system, the police system, uh, they want revenge, they want punishment, they want... Uh, but most of the time, it's not the situation for the victim, you know. And so the the, the justice imposes you a way of dealing with your own violence, you know, uh, with the violence you suffer from, without asking you what you think about it, you know. And so I wrote this book to understand my way, you know, and uh, yes. Do you even care if, if he would go to prison? Mm, I would care. I would care because I think that... Uh, I think that jail is a is a middle aged thing. I, I don't understand how in in the twenty first century we put, we put people in a cage, you know. And uh, for me, I hope that one day we will we will discover that it was a barbarian thing, you know, as we did with death penalty in a lot of countries. One day we will think, how can how did we do that, you know? How did we put bodies uh, in in a cage, you know, for for that long? And so, like more deeply. And more generally, the question is is how to answer to violence. How can we deal with violence? Because the justice system, the police system, they tend to meet violence with violence, you know. So there was an aggression, so a violent thing. And so the, the police tells you we are, we are going to answer with violence. We are going to do punishment. We are going to, to put a body in a cage. We are going to, to make him suffer. We are going to... Um, and so the only way that society deals with violence is, is in creating even more violence, you know. 
and I know what jail is, you know. In my first novel, I, I talk about my cousin who died, who died at the age of 30 in jail. My grandfather was in jail, so when I was a kid, I would, I would see it. I, knew what, I know what it means, you know. And I know that, uh, that is not a way of, uh, of fixing situations. And yes, I, I have the impression that the, the justice and the police are, they are using uh, the victims in order to accomplish their own desire of, of revenge and of punishment, you know? So it's a lie to say that the, the justice protects the victim. No, the, 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 po- the police and the justice takes your story from you. Uh, and then they, they they turn it into violence without asking you what you think about it. So your story doesn't belong to you anymore, you know? And so you ended up feeling violently treated by the police and the system. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for me, it was a it was another rape, you know? They were using me against my, my, my will. They were using my body, my story, my words against what I wanted, you know? And... Um, for me, it was almost as much violent as a, as a repetitive, maybe even more violent, you know. And because they were, yeah, suddenly, suddenly using me, and 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 you know, it's a very, it's something that happens really often. Is that the people that didn't experience the violence tell to the people who experienced it how they should deal with it, you know? And I often talk about. Primo Levi, a book of essays that I read recently from him called The Drowned and the Saved, which is the last book of, of Primo Levi. And at, at, in one of the essays, he talks about the letters he received after publishing uh, Sequesto e un uh, his first, his, his, his most famous novel, If It's a Man, uh, most famous about Auschwitz and about survival in Auschwitz. And Primo Levi says that after publishing the book, he started to get a lot of letters from readers that would tell him, oh, you are not tough enough with the Nazis, you are too understanding, you are not violent enough against them. And so these people, they didn't go to concentration camp, they didn't suffer from the violence, and they tell to Primo Levi how he should deal with the violence, you know? And... And of course, I, I didn't go to camp, and the violence that I am treating uh, is, uh, with dealing with it's a very different kind of violence. Uh, but the structure is the same, you know. At the same time, history of violence. My book is a is is a way of saying to the people, you have to testify about violence, you know. You have to testify. You have to say it, you know. And it was a big victory of the feminist movement, for example, to say the women's. Because most of the time, unfortunately, it happens to the women. The women were assaulted. They should have the right to, to say it, to testify about it. To, and it was a big victory from the feminist movement. And so, because the only way of fixing violence is talking about it and trying to understand it. And, and so there is a paradox because at the same time, we need to testify. And on the other hand, as soon as you testify... Uh, the people around you, the institutions, they will take the story from you and they, were, they will turn it into something completely different, you know? So how can, you create, can we create another way of dealing with violence is the main question of the book. And did you start writing immediately after it happened or did you wait a couple of years? No, I started the day after. Did uh, it somehow help you to distance yourself? From what had happened, uh, or did it even? Or to dig closer? in, <laughs> yeah. yeah, to dig in in order to understand precisely. And uh, 
you know, at that time I was writing a book, so I, ju- I, I finished my, when, when that night happened, I finished my first novel two months before, and I started to write about a book about love and about the love stories that my father would tell me when I was a kid. And, uh, and when that night happened, um, I was ashamed of my uh, book on love and about love. I was ashamed of writing about love because I had the impression that, yeah, that that night reminded me like all the violence of the world we live in, you know. It was, it hit me and say, look at all that violence and what are you going to do? You are going to write about love? It's, I was disgusted by my my manuscript of before, you know, and... And so I left it behind, and I started to write about 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 that about about that night, you know. And um, yeah, so and immediately. How do you feel now about the book about love? <laughs> In fact, like the uh, history of violence is also a book about love because because when I met this man, like even if like we talked and 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 it went well for like only three or four hours. Uh, but it was really strong, you know. We all know that. We, it happens sometimes. You meet someone for the first time and you, t- you, you touch her or his body for the first time and, and you feel something really different. Uh, you feel that something is happening, uh, that it's not like the other experiences. And so, and so the love is really in the book, you know. And so maybe like the ancient manuscript, like finally get into that book you know and and precisely what is what is interesting for me is to see that in the process of understanding the violence love is one of the keys to understand the violence because the, this guy uh, in the book uh, is i don't know in love but at least attracted or by me and uh, i saw it i felt it i um and and at the same time, uh, he hates his own love. He hates his own desire, you know, because society told him to be an homophobic, told him to hate gay people. So when he tried to kill me, actually, he was he was telling me, um, he was telling me, oh, you're faggot, you're faggot, and he just made love with me, you know, and and so there was a kind of social contradiction in, in its own body between between what he wanted and what the world prevented prevented him to do you know and so yeah so there so in fact it doesn't mean that we should never talk about love of course but there were there are ways of talking about love that can be i think like deeper you know and uh, it it it's it's what happened you know and it's bizarre because society put in this guy the hate for gay people the hate for queer people and so he perpetuates that hate that that the society told him taught him and then society punished him <laughs> from doing that you know so the, the the world where where we live is is forcing people to be violent and then it punishes them from being violent it's a very strange thing it's a very very bizarre thing hmm. Chapter 3, The Impossible Escape Also, because you talk a lot about structures in society shaping us into what we are, uh, isn't it interesting that you turned out very different in your hometown? Yeah, it's true. But also, 
it's it's strange to say, but when you escape a reality, when you escape a world, when you escape a milieu, it makes you realize that it's impossible to escape. And it's a paradox, but because I saw all the people, you know, that I left behind me, all the people that fought so hard to escape and didn't succeed, all the people who wanted a different life, but it was impossible for them. And so it's precisely because I escaped that I know how impossible it is. And I had to to meet on my way a lot of miracles, like chances, uh, struggle, of course, I struggled, but I saw that struggling was not enough. I know so many people that struggled harder than me, that were much harder workers at schools than me, that were more brave than me, and that didn't succeed, you know? And um, it's not my fault, you know? <laughs> but but still, I, I, of course, I, I, I think that we can change some things, and that, or, or I shouldn't be writing if I thought that it was completely desperate. Um, that's why I write for that. Last time I saw you, it was in New York, and uh, you lived there. <laughs> and uh, But now you don't? Or are you back in, in France, or do you still live in the U.S.? I spent my time between the U.S. and between between France and uh, because because the American literature is very important to me, very inspiring to me, and I can't I can't write if I am not surrounded by people that I admire, you know, and there are a lot of people uh, there like. Uh, like Toni Morrison, like Tash Aou. And you Ao, met her. Like, uh, yeah, right. I met her. I, I, I met her. I wrote an essay about her um, that was published in Norway that I gave at the Literature House, Literature Usette uh, of, uh, of Oslo. And 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 she read it. And uh, and she asked to, to meet me. And I, I, I met her in New York City. And uh, it was, of course, an absolutely beautiful moment because she... She means a lot to me, more than a lot. And and I mean, like, New York in general is like that. When I, I see people like her, like like Tash Howe, like Ocean Vong, like Sadie Smith, like all these people that makes me want to, to create, you know? So, and, and also I really love the idea of not talking my language. I really love the idea of not being speaking in French, you know, because... For me, it's, you know, I was born in France. I didn't choose it. I didn't choose the language that people put in my body. And and so talking another language for me is a, a way of like continuing what I started before. This my obsession with, with not being what other people did to me, did with me, you know. So that's why I changed my first name. That's why I changed my family name. That's why I changed the way I looked when I arrived in Paris. Uh, I wanted to be completely different from what people made me before, you know. So walking down the streets of New York on your way to visit Toni Morrison, <laughs> do you feel very different from the boy you were growing up? Yes, of, of course. It would be naive to say that I am uh, the same person uh, because I don't want to be, because, because you know, Eddie Belgel was not what I was. It was what other people wanted me to be, you know. And and the name was like a metaphor for for that, for an identity that I didn't pick and everything. But of course, I guess I don't know why. I I don't know if it's everyone, but 
when I was a kid, my dream was to escape and to, and then I started to dream to go to Paris and to New York and to write books. And now that I do that, my dream is to go back to the village and in the middle of nowhere at the bus stop all night long, drinking bad beers, drinking bad whiskey. Uh, so I don't, I, I very, I'm very nostalgic, you know. And I, 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 childhood is a very different, very strange thing because even even of a of a destroyed childhood, we can be nostalgic, you know. And I hated my childhood. I I hated growing up there, but still, there is not one day where I don't miss it, you know. Day after day, I miss it, and I don't know if it's everyone, but we... I think it's human nature. <laughs> and yes. you know, the grass is always greener and all that. Absolutely, and you know, like childhood is the moment where. When the world is bigger and bigger, larger and larger, deeper and deeper every day, you know, mm. and uh, and so yes, it's like it's growing around you, and it is. You, you, Jean-Paul Sartre would say, "Childhood decides." You know, it's the childhood is a place where everything happens, and uh, and I think that's kind of true because even if I changed after my childhood. The the changes that I choose are still determined by what I was as a kid. You know, I became a, a writer of literature, leftist and everything, and I could have been something completely different. So what, as Didier Ribon so would say, like, what we become, what we choose to become is still linked to what we used to be, you know, and uh, yeah. I have a feeling that things will keep growing for you. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> much so. for doing Thank this you, podcast. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Speaking of Stories with me, Stephanie Tancrist. And Edouard Louis. That was all from this episode of Speaking of Stories. Listen to all of our episodes on Acast or iTunes. And follow us on Instagram. Speaking underscore of underscore stories.